Wednesday Morning Coffee Club with your host, Bill Sparks. The panel members are Dave and Chris Spreaker, Bill and Jenny Sparks, Tim Oney, and Jeff Bennett. For the next two hours, Bill will be taking your calls. We'll have lots of conversation, demonstrations of products, and much more. You may reach us by calling 646 646- 876-9923. Follow the automated prompts. When you're asked for a meeting ID, enter 287-723-4600. When you're asked for a user ID, just press pound. You may also join us by downloading Zoom for your Android or iOS devices from the Play Store or the App Store. And now, ladies and gentlemen, here's your host, Bill Sparks. Well, I better get uncranked here and get going and turn the crew up. And good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Coffee Club. Great to see so many people in here so far. And we'll get right, right, right to it because we've got some special guests to talk to in just a few moments. And we will be doing that, I promise you. So we'll cut this short and sweet. Week in recap, we had the 500-mile race this weekend. That was a lot of fun, a lot of black flags, red flags, but ultimately it was all settled and there was a winner. It was the first American winner in seven or eight years. So that was a great thing. Um, I want to tip the hat to CVS Drugs. At 5920 Madison Avenue. We live in Naples. The CVS drugstore there goes out of their way not to help you. They won't label your prescriptions like they're supposed to or whatever. This one does. This one, if you want them delivered, they fill out the form for you and make sure it's done. So a tip of the hat to CVS drugs at 5920 Madison Avenue. They really know how to serve their customers. Um... 
We put in some new equipment over the weekend. Hopefully that'll make things a little more stable. We've got an upgraded modem and router and all that good stuff. You should have seen me trying to install that. Oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. That was a disaster. But I got it done. And other than that... My son came by on Monday for a few minutes, spent some time up in Michigan, he did. We're um, a place we own up there, and we're checking it for sale, you know, to get everything ready to go. So, looks like I'm going to have to go up to Michigan. But we'll get that done and do all of that. I'll cut my rambling short, with the exception, the topic is going to be, after all the guests depart, Today, I read something on Facebook. We're having a problem in our Indiana group. We have a few students, and you know, notice I say only a few, who they graduated 50 years ago almost. And they're blaming the school because of their failures, because they haven't worked, they haven't done anything, and now they're blaming a few select teachers. I myself believe you have to take responsibility for yourself. You've had a whole life to starting to make things right, if that's really what you want to do. So that's going to be our topic. Should blind schools be held liable if you don't get a job, if you don't get this done, or do you deserve some of the responsibility? Well, we'll talk about that in a few minutes. All right, Jenny, take it away. Well, my goodness, Uh, we've had adventures, haven't we, with the crock pot. We have an instant pot, and it sometimes decides it wants to work, and sometimes it doesn't want to work. So, Bill, we tried and tried to get it to work yesterday, and finally it kept telling us we had the wrong pot in it. Well, I knew it wasn't the wrong pot, because the pot fit right where it was supposed to go. Who knows what was the matter with it? We scrubbed, finally scrubbed the bottom where the pot sits, and scrubbed and scrubbed, and trying to get everything off of it, and even washed the and now it works. I don't. I don't understand the whole thing. But anyway, piece of junk. I say it's too much trouble. Too much high maintenance. Really is. Yeah, if it's that fragile and that delicate that nothing can even get under that pot, or you can't have one little crumb. Right. Too much, and too much. And the app is terrible. They've changed the app. Part of the app is good, but it doesn't like to give you the error messages unless you get out of it and go do something else and come back. If you sit there in the app, it'll just pretend like it's cooking away. I don't know. It's it's about the only one out there on the market like it, but hopefully somebody else will pick that up and we can get a better quality product. That one, we're on our third one, so doesn't well, speak highly of that. Uh, of course, Zan, a little help. Some of them met an untimely demise. So. Yeah. So anything else been going on for you, Jennifer? Oh, uh, not a lot. Seems like, well, I've been trying to keep up with all the reading I need to do for book talk and that. That's sometimes a challenge, but and we're enjoying doing the show, and we had great participation yesterday. And, and we get people from all over this country discussing books they read on Bard or Audible or Libby or Bookshare, and 
so yesterday. Yeah, we talked about their favorite narrators. So that was quite a discussion. So we got a lot to talk about this morning. Let's go ahead and get to the boy from Albany with the weekends and the problems. <laughs> Everything is good here at Albany, New York. Had a great time. And I, I know Mary and uh, Jay, our sisters here, we'll talk about that later on. We all got together last night. We had dinner and I got to meet a JR and Marianne and, and members of their family. And I can tell you, I had a very, very good time. And to, to Marianne, your Aunt Audrey is a real hoop. She's a real cool person. So that's all I'm going to say right now. But it was a very good time. Everything is good here. Another hot day in Albany, New York. It's going to hit almost 90 degrees. I love it. I love it. So that's all I'm going to say. And we'll uh, turn it back to you, Bill. All right. Uh, Radio Tim, you're our last member of the... Good morning. Well, I hate it, Jeff. Yeah, anyway, I know you do. We're, we're supposed to get to 91 here, so that's a lot warmer than you, but... <laughs> not, not by much, you know. <laughs> anyway, it's supposed to be in the uh, upper 80s or low 90s for the next three days, maybe even four. And, uh, well, I guess we better get used to summer being here. We made it to 90 yesterday. Um, and otherwise, things are going pretty well. We bought an air conditioner, and it seems to be working pretty good. Uh, I think we're going to end up getting another window unit for our bedroom but because it was definitely not real easy to sleep last night <laughs> and are you going to buy a window unit or are you going to buy one of those units where you put the hose out the window what, how are you going to do that for your bedroom uh, i think we're just going to buy a regular window one they are quite a bit cheaper yeah <laughs> except for jeff has some little friends who fan him and keep him cool and take care of yeah. his weekends. What, what you do is you take a pan of, of, of ice and you put the, put that in your fan and let, that, let the fan blow the cool air over you. Oh. Yeah, and as it shorts out, Jeff. <laughs> remember, right. the, remember the way they used to do ceiling fans is they had the... Uh... The, the chains like like a cuckoo clock you know with the weights on them and that would spin the fan you'd wind the chains up or pull them down Tim I, I remember that because my grandmother used to talk about but I never saw one like that yeah. uh, I have in an old old house that I lived in in, in Mankato they still had one of those. Oh, I thought maybe you had one of those exercise bikes, and as you keep pedaling, it runs the fan. <laughs> you know, no, that that would be why I would hire you, Jeff. I, I yeah. see. I see. Well, this is fighting words, Tim. Fighting words. <laughs> I think. I think we're going to take some time out, and we're going to break the usual tradition this morning because we haven't talked to Marianne in several months, and if she wants to talk to us, all she has to do is. Uh, let me see here. Uh, if you guys, I ask just hit the ask to unmute button. Uh, so, Marion, if you can unmute yourself, uh, you're uh, welcome to join us. There, I've just asked her to unmute. So, if she wants to talk to us, we'll be glad to have her come on and talk. Marion, if you're using your iPhone, I, th I believe the mute button is on the. I got it. Okay, good. Sorry. But Go no, no, no. The the uh, volume of the screen reader is much, was much lower than the Zoom, so I had to sort it out this morning a little bit. Um, but yes, I am up here in Schenectady, staying at the Hampton Inn and Suite, and just finishing up a lovely little breakfast going on because I slept a little late and enjoyed the coziness of a lovely bed. And um, I'm I'm still here after meeting Jeff Bennett for the second time in my life. Huh. 
scars are not permanent. It's all good. Marion, uh, I but... want to tell you, we had a great, I had a great time. And would you just let all your family members know that you really have a really lovely family? They're all real nice people. I will definitely do that. They are the the, the ones we invited are the good ones. You know, when you yeah. get to choose, you, you know, you choose the ones you invite, and um, and you have a good relationship. And your aunt, um, your aunt Audrey's a real hoot. She really is. She is indeed. Um, she's my favorite aunt. She was my Girl Scout leader for two years when I was younger, and. Um, she, uh, we, we were a troop of banner wavers for parties and stuff like, or uh, parades and things. And uh, I was one of those people who really got into memorizing routines and doing all the stuff that we did uh, back back in the days when I was like young and crazy. But um, let's see, life is awesome. I'm on a one week vacation, and uh, on Monday I did the Boulder Boulder 10K. Uh, for and for those who don't do metrics, that's six miles, six point two miles. Huh. I did not run it; I walked it. Um, but um, it, it's um, it's an awesome tribute on Memorial Day, um, and the whole town parties and has an amazing time all along the route. And there's bands and all kinds of fun stuff. It's like if you have to walk six miles, it's the best way to walk it ever, because um, there's entertainment around every corner and cool people and um, and lots of support. And our Achilles International Boulder Group uh, did it all together. So I had an Achilles guide, and we went with a tether. Uno stayed home that day, um, but it was fun and fantastic. Um, and for those, uh, I noticed you were talking about narrators, or just the fact that people wanted, uh, we're talking about their favorite narrators in the book club. Um, I have recently gotten to spend some very delightful time with Mayor Trevathan in Colorado, and uh, just a couple of weeks ago. Um, we got to go see Eric Sandvold in theater. He was playing in Treasure Island, and he was Long John Silver. And for those who know who Eric Sandvold is, you can imagine he was amazing. It was a really, really fun time. Um, he's very gracious and so on. And I was texting him after, uh, at, at matter of fact, at intermission. And I said, I said, well, I tell you to break a leg, but it looks like you already did that because Long John Silver only has one leg. He pegged and whatever um but he just got a total kick out of it and um uh, suffice it to say he's one of my favorite narrators because he's also an amazing actor so um and Mayor Trevathan also is several of the Denver uh readers are also very very well known in the theater community in Denver and um and they, they just enjoy both, both parts of their work so when they do some of that I try to go out there and and support them in both of their roles. And um, so that is super cool. Um, on Friday, I'm headed down to New York City to meet my husband. And we're going to go on Saturday. And this is something all the audio folks in the world will appreciate. We're going to the Met Hall of Fame game on Saturday because it is the day that the Met broadcasters, whom we have gotten to know uh, over a trip to Colorado, but the Met broadcasters are being inducted into the Hall of Fame. Um, Howie Rose, Gary Cohen. Um, Keith Hernandez, who's on the TV side, and Ron Darling are all going into the Met Hall of Fame. So we structured an entire trip around going to see that game just so we can go and support our the people that bring us baseball. Um, so that's that's my fun deal. And, and um, we're going to do the same kind of thing we did last night up here. We had friends and family gathered up for dinner last night here at a place called Bellevue Cafe. And on Sunday, we're going to meet in Queens at an Olive Garden with a whole bunch of friends and family from 
New York City. And so we're going to be doing some more good eating on Sunday. Um, there will be more good eating in between, but um, family and friends good eating type things to do on Sunday. So um, that's what vacation looked like. Uh, but the other interesting for those who've been sort of following my little career at unemployment is that for the next for four or five months, I'm being borrowed by the training team to to help um, make training materials accessible and so on so other blind people can work at unemployment successfully and train at unemployment. And I'm uh, when I get home on Monday, I am jumping right into training a brand new class of unemployment adjudicators. So, and it's the first time they've had a blind trainer in the mi- in the mix of doing all of this stuff. But my training team is super excited to have me. Um, I told them it's just because they haven't worked with me yet uh, but it's all it's all in good fun and um, it looks like it's going to be a really really great uh, process so those are the things those are the things I know for now it's going to be toasty and like 90 degrees or something here and um, I miss not being able to chat with you guys as much but I'm supposed to actually be doing things like working oh, hours can, I, can I ask you a question Marianne uh, uh, we went to that restaurant and I was I was shocked when I when, when she told you the bill and I said mm-hmm. I don't understand how they could sell food at that low price I just don't get it I I don't either, but I was glad to treat everybody for dinner, even you. <laughs> Gee, thanks a lot, there. <laughs> and I and, and by the way, so the built that people don't think that I'm just a sponger and like that. I did offer over and over. No, again. no, no. Everybody offered to pay their way, but I just the bill was reasonable, and I chose to pick it up. And I enjoy occasionally, you know. I mean, if you work hard in this life, and if you can bless your friends and family once in a while and do something great for them, then that's that's one of the biggest blessings out of a good, hardworking life. And so I. I was pleased to pick up the bill last night because it was one I could afford and it was lovely people to treat for dinner. And I'm still a bad influence on your brother, right? Yes, you are. And so is he. Yeah, I think that works both ways. It absolutely does. If you see the two of them in one place together, you just know. Yeah, you just got to wash Jeff under all degrees. (laughs) <laughs> well, there's something there's something to be said for that. Yeah. Oh, and I did and I did finally get a really good piece of New York pizza yesterday at a place here in town. I was starving, and my brother said, "Oh, let's go down the street and we'll go to this pizza place he knew called Nico's and um, had lovely pizza and garlic knots, and um, it, it fixed my New York craving." So that was good. That's good, Jeff. He wouldn't have stopped at one piece. No, I probably wouldn't have. But but the way that the way you talked about the how large the slice was, maybe one slice was all I could eat at that point. No, no, yeah, I mean the 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 slice definitely. Um, you know, the crust on one end was hanging way over the plate, and the tip of the pizza on the other end was definitely hanging over the plate. So it definitely it definitely took up the size of the paper plate, and then um, it was a, a lovely big piece. Be a good thing for. For Jetty. Oh yeah. Oh, there you go. Well, I mean, sometime you know, now that now that he knows he can make it to Schenectady pretty easily, he'll just have to come down here and have pizza and Nico. I, I might just do that. Uh, there you go. And by the way, thank you for. I don't even talk about medical condition, but I know a lot of people who have it. And thank you very much for talking to me about the problem that I yeah, have, which and, is called. Yeah, and call me. I will. I have your phone number. Thank mm-hmm. you very much for all the help that you gave me or the pointers you gave me on lipedema. Thank you very much. Just take of care course. of it. Take care of it, Jeff. Thank you, Bill, and I, per- I really will. It's that, Absolutely. It. And I am more than happy to chip in on your topic later. Right, and yeah, chip right in, and you can talk about that topic because you may have a different perspective than mine, but that's okay. We'll we'll go through that. All right, Jeff, now you're in charge. You can... Oh, I'm in charge. Okay. Well, Beth, and I love it, I, and I can't believe she's the only one. She's the first one to raise her hand, which is never the case here. But Beth, good evening. Good, evening. good morning to you out there in the wilds of Minnesota. Go ahead, unmute yourself, please, Beth. That didn't last long. Um, I know. Let me make sure she's... 
Yes! Yeah, I, it was saying at first the host was not allowing you to un, unmute. Oh, no, okay, yeah, I got you. Oh, thank you, Bill and Jeff. I, I wanted to let you know I had the nicest thing when I went to the podiatrist yesterday morning. They had to check my blood pressure, and I found out it was 118 over 72. I was That's as good. happy as a lark about that. And over the last week, I, I hadn't been on here last week because I had a really bad anxiety attack Wednesday morning. I don't know how that would have gone over on the air. And well, What was causing your anxiety? What was stressing you out last well, week? Well, the crazy thing is, there's, and I have no problem with people asking me about food, whether it's the residents or the staff. But there were, on Monday night last week, there was one of the residents who asked me, are you going to have horseradish with your beef roast? And I said, no, I don't care for the horseradish. But she kept saying, well, it's good, it's mild, it's good, it's mild. And she was saying it just like that. I said, will you stop? You're sounding like a scratch record. And then she kept saying it. She wouldn't shut up. And what I said to her afterwards, I don't know if it's allowed on the air. It wasn't the F word or anything like that, but I don't know if the phrase is allowed on the air, though. No, go ahead. I said, shove it up your butt. Well, well, well. I'm I'm shocked hearing that. Shocked. She said, she said, I can't, it's broken. And I'm thinking, yeah, you got a broken butt. <laughs> it's probably where her brains were then. <laughs> I mean, I could have gotten it normally for saying that on the air on certain radio stations. I just didn't know because I don't want to get you guys in trouble with the FCC and I don't want to get me in trouble with yeah, Let me give you a tip. There is no FCC regulations on internet radio. Oh, I didn't know. <laughs> well, so. whoever's calling me, they've got to just, oh, it's my sister. <laughs> oh boy, well, I can call her back though. But I've been, you know, I, I ended up Wednesday morning last week where I was talking to our activities director and I told her I'm getting to the point where I'm afraid suicide is looking too good. I did not attempt it, I assure you all. I did not, at one, I did not in the least attempt it. But she said she was going to get a hold of one of the nurses and see what they could do. And I happen to know she called my sister Patrice. Like I, I know that only because of the questions that Patrice asked me. I realized, uh-oh, she did call her. And I said, oh, now, I'm, now I've had it. She said, no, I just want to know how you're doing. And then I told her some, and I, I was afraid to tell her that morning what I had said on Monday night. I, I told her that I told the gal to shut up, but, but I, I told her later on at the doctor's office i i didn't i, I said I, I i i told her to shut up her but i'm sorry i lied to you this morning patrice even a white lie is not good and she said well don't worry she was totally out of line and you know what beth life is is is, is, is too short to worry about those silly people like that you just have to learn to ignore them i know i tried to but she would not be quiet for a little bit and one of the the guys here he is one of the nicest people you'd ever want to meet he said bethy she's only teasing you and i said no she was badgering me and I'm not taking badgering and I talked to Annette the activities director on Wednesday morning last week about bullying and badgering I asked her are we going to be able to have a talk on bullying and badgering and she said it's already been arranged I'm like I didn't know I was a mind reader (laughs) 
Yeah. Well, hopefully they get it straightened out for you, and you it'll be okay. And the time passes, it'll be fine. Want to ask you a question, Beth? We're yeah. doing a we're doing our poll today. I don't know if you went to a blind school or a public school. It really doesn't matter. Do you feel like they did things that that held you back, or do you I feel that you should take responsibility for your own life? Well, the, perf- the first part of that is the public schools, when we had the resource teacher, and she's someone that Gail and I talk about a lot, Rita Showalter, when we had her, she was definitely good. I, she sure wasn't going to allow us to be held back. <laughs> and then when she left, there was another teacher, Mr. Warwick, is Jim Warwick. He was, um, he, I, I think he did what he could. He had a, he took a crash course in Braille, but I, I don't feel like he held me back, but there were certain teachers and a couple of students that tried to see that I would be held back. And then when I did go down to, as I'd like to call it, the Braille school, (laughs) and I I really liked it a lot. I didn't feel then like I was held back. I I didn't feel that way anymore. I was able to work at my own pace, and I absolutely, as you know, there's going to be good and bad in every walk of life, good and bad every place you go. It would have helped if there there was one person there, Bonnie Olson. She constantly wanted to talk about her demons and and, and I just, I wanted her out of there, but no one would do anything about it. I I bet we were not sure what was going to be going on with her, with, with our studies because of her Otherwise, no, I didn't feel held back at the Braille school. I I did a little bit in 7th and 8th grade at public school, North Junior High. <laughs> but as you went on through life, you worked and you were yes. able to work and do a few things and do some things. So you're not holding anybody responsible for for anything that you might not have achieved or, you know... Um, you're appreciative of what you got? Yes. And you know what? I I, I kind of wish that, <laughs> excuse me, I got a little bit of a, either cold or allergies or strep throat or something. But I think what happened, what I wish I could have gone to the, um, I wish I could have gone to the Braille school starting in the sixth grade. But yet I did meet a bunch of wonderful people in the sixth grade. In fact, the, the tutor I had, I really liked her. She was the one who led me to the Lord. In fact, I was that was terrific but we started in the early spring of 69 and I, I was being tutored right there at school she would and she even came and was helping me when we were when we had a test in music class and I did pretty good on that test and after that I I did so much I, I did what I could in the seventh grade except in English I got a uh, unfortunately I got an F one time on my report card, and I was not happy with myself on that one. Right. Then in, in the eighth grade, I got an F in English and, and an F in home ec. And I'm like, it's hard for me to get an F in home ec. Sheesh, and I did, unfortunately. Then my sister, as much as I love her, she kind of ridiculed me about that. And I told my dad, Patrice is ridiculing me about getting, about my report card. And dad said, children don't ridicule. And I said, dad, I hate to differ on that one. I beg to differ with you. But that one, yes, children do ridicule. Well, very good, Beth. We better move along. Get yeah, a few what more a great topic, and... though. I love that. That's a topic I can handle really Yeah. Good. Well, you yeah. did a great job, and thank you. You're thank welcome. You, You're thank welcome. You. All right, Jeff, who's next? 
All right. Next is Gail, and then after Gail, we'll have Joe Sorensen. Okay. Go ahead, Gail. Um, and there you go. Ask. Glo- uh, unmute yourself, Gail. I, she did. Yeah, you go. Go ahead. You got it, Gail. Okay. Um, I um I never went to the Braille school or anything like that. I went through public school through the whole thing. But like Beth said, we had a wonderful teacher, and I loved her for her attitude about do your best. I expected of you. These these people that say, well, it's somebody else's fault that I didn't. If you don't put your foot in it a little bit and work hard and stuff like that, you don't get anywhere anyway. And then I had a wonderful teacher in junior high that I had for science. The first good old Mr. B I ever met. His name was Mr. His last name was Burtness, and he had a he found a reader um, assistant for me that I could do because of her and because of him. I could do the same things they did with um, the labs experiments and stuff like that. And because of all that, I got to be in that class. That just about blew me away. Would, someone would take that much time and do that much. So overall, you had a positive experience, right? Yes, yes. And I had a wonderful teacher for English, too, that, that did the same thing. When when they do their part and you do your part. And then the other thing is I never could understand the blame game. You know, well, it's the school's fault or it's the team. If you don't try a little bit, if you don't, as I say, put your foot in a little bit and learn and try a little bit, it's not going to mean much. Nope, you're right about that. What else has been going on in your life? Well, Wendy's still coming. We've come to some understanding about a few things. I did ask a question about a few things. Part of the reason she's been kind of the way she's been lately, her aunt is going to be moving to assistive living. Wendy, I think, has one sister and two brothers or a sister and a brother, I'm not sure. But none of the rest of those people will help. So it's all up to Wendy to do this. And she's been very busy with that, plus the people that she helps and stuff. She's been very, very busy. And I think... I still think in some ways she's stretching herself a little bit, but that's her decision to make, I guess. But right. I still wish in some ways she'd, make, she'd take a little vacation and everything. Yeah, walk, <laughs> walk away for a few days. But then she worries about how you'd get your medicines and things like that. Well, then she could find, or between everybody, she could find someone else who temporarily take over for a while. Yeah. If there's a possibility of doing it that way. You know, then there's ways to solve problem if you, you know, kind of think it through and time it just right. Right, to keep you on the thing. So yeah. that's good. That's but I, everything else is going well. I, I have my living room window open here, and the, the spring and summer sounds were out with a vengeance yesterday. Between the car alarms and the dogs and the, oh my. <laughs> well, that's good. You can listen to Tim on the radio. and Yesterday, and, he uh, almost didn't have a show because of that server something or other that happened yesterday. That's okay. I straightened him out. <laughs> but we had a show. It was good to, to, you know, do that. I heard, you know, something about server error or server full or something like that. And so I called him and he said, yeah, that's what it's saying. So I'm not sure. But it did work out for yesterday. So that's fine. I went in and said, unfold the server. No, it, but it works. So that's as long as amazing. it works, that's all that matters. That's all that matters. Well, you'll be back in if you need to. And thank you, Gail. Thank you much. All right. 
And Joe Sorensen, uh, we just asked you on a mute. Can you unmute yourself, please? Yes, good morning, Worldwide Legend and Coffee Club. This is Joe with Joe and Ellen here. Anyway, it's 63 degrees and thunder showers up to 87, down to 63 tonight. Wind from the east at 15 miles per hour. Kind of a short casting here. The public schools in St. Paul, Minnesota held me back, but the Minnesota Braille and Sight Saving School uh, named at that time was really great. I've been able to accomplish what I've been able to do, and eventually there will be a movie of my life. It's slow, but because because the book is self-published, I'm doing partial payments. If if the book would have been traditional published, then, then the, they would buy the rights from me, but however, we're still close to being the book book being republished under a major publisher, Riverhead Books, part of Random House Books, Random House, and then they they would actually buy buy the rights from me and finish off. <laughs> but it's, it's all coming about. Prayer, patience, and persistence. And now, as part of that partner in life, and we don't have, you know, it occurs to me, the blame game, instead of calling it the name game, you can change the song to the blame game. But anyway, here's <laughs> Ellen. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. <laughs> anyway, um, as Joe said, there it's very cloudy out there this morning, and we might get some rain. I don't know, but um, we'll see. We'll see how it goes because there, there's conflicting uh, forecasts. But we'll just go with it and see what we see. Anyway, um, to answer the question of the day. I, well, I didn't really get held back per se, but when I was started school, I went to Zia Elementary at, in uh, El Gordo. Well, they tried, due to the fact that I use a wheelchair and I am also uh, visually challenged, they just tried to see, you know, if I could read anything or um, what I could do physically. And then after a year of that, um, then I, I went to, well, it was NMSVH back then, now it's NMSBBI. That actually helped. So if it weren't for learning Braille and doing what I did, what I do now, um, I'm not sure where I would be because they really helped me out. And so that, it wasn't really a saving thing, but in the combination of the two um, got the job in. done, right? Yeah. So you know, I was it was a good experience. Once so you're not bitter for the rest of your life, or no? Huh? You just I mean, go right on. Yeah. It just it was just kind of interesting how they did that, and at that same time when I went when I started at, at MSBH, um, I, that's when I started using the wheelchair most of the day. And then when I uh, when my when I moved to the dorm back in I think it was 1980, um, then I used the wheelchair all day uh, simply because, simply because of the uh, um, more wheelchair friendly conditions because the house where, where I grew up was really not that um, accessible for a wheelchair. But I did a lot of upper you know upper bodies and this is why I have the strength I have today. So, all in all, it was a pretty positive experience. Very, very good. Stick around if you want to come back, because you can always contribute. Oh, thank you. Yeah, sure. Okay. All right. All right, Jeff, who's next? Uh, Bill, can you you unmute yourself, please? We may have to. Good morning. There you go. 
Good morning. Uh, it's about 82 degrees here already and sunny. Supposed to get in the 90s. Maybe some thunder showers this afternoon. But possibly very unlikely, but could pop up this evening. Uh, otherwise, uh, oh, if I have to hang up on this call all of a sudden before we're over, I got a guy coming to check my air conditioning. So if he shows up before I get to him here, I'll have to hang up. I don't know. Not, I'm not mad at you, Jeff, for hanging up. Don't don't get me involved in this mess, Bill. Yeah. Oh, no, I just, I just letting you know in case, you know, all of a sudden I go leave it in real quick because it yeah. won't happen to Bill. He left the thing all of a sudden. Anyways, uh, the work thing, or the, no, I don't, I can't see blaming the school because if you blame the school, every school will be blamed, even yeah. public schools, because there's kids that go through public school and never get jobs or, or don't, don't work out to get work on that. So you can't blame the school. A lot of it, I also, uh, from what I've known over the period of years and when I was in school, a lot of it is, is parents, too. A lot of parents won't let the kids do things when they're growing up because, oh, you can't see or you can't this, you can't that. Well, that was one thing with my parents. I had no problem. If I wanted to do it, I did it. And there was no thing. And, and of course, like I said, I worked 15 and a half years at the same place. And I took the initiative to get that thing going myself because clearly I was having trouble with the state. And so I just said, more or less, screw you. And I did it on my own and forgot them. And that's, I won't name the counselors back then, but they were just uh, idiots. So they wanted you to do stuff that I didn't wasn't, wasn't about to do. They want one thing they wanted me to do was, was well, you could run a vending stand or you could work. Well, back then it wasn't possible. It was called the uh, industrial board on 30th Street. Said, well, we can get you a job there and you can, cause you can, you can do broom making and things like that or stuff. And I said, no, I'm not doing that stuff. Yeah, but Bill, you've got to understand that, but, but Bill, you have to understand back then people thought people didn't know what blind people could do and couldn't do. And that, those are the stereotypical jobs that they thought blind people should do. Oh, I know, I know, I know that that was it, but I wasn't going to do the stereotypical job, you know, cause I was, I wanted to get into something and, uh, into more or less some close to the medical field. You know, That's what you wanted to do. I yeah, remember having to fight with my counselor. They didn't want me to go to college. They said, vending, 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 you can't make it in oh, college. Oh, yeah, right, right, right. Well, I know, I know one person that I knew real well that became a school teacher, and he was blind, and he taught in the public school system. And the counselor he had didn't want him to do that. He wanted him to be a counselor or go into, go into, into vending or something like that. And he well, was know. determined that he was going to be a school teacher and he wanted to be a school teacher at the, in a public school in northern Indiana for almost 30 years. And, and you know why they, they push people to that, that rate in, in, in the old days, Bill? Because it, it, it's easy to get them because when they push them into that program, you have a case and you close it and they can say, well, look at all the cases I closed. Oh, I know, I know, I know. Well. That, that, that was the whole thing. But, you know, I just, but, you know a lot of it is because I know, well, this is back back then, I knew a girl that went to ISB, and Claudette knew her real well, so she used to talk to her all the time. And she lived in southern Indiana. And she would be in school, and she was pretty good in school doing her school work and doing stuff like that. But when she'd go home, her parents would put her in a rocking chair, and she had to more or less sit there all day. They wouldn't even let her put silverware on the table to help her sit the table or anything. They wouldn't let her do anything because she couldn't see and she used to call. She used to call Claudette about that, and she'd be in tears on the phone when she got to be more or less high school age. And she was just like, "Nothing we could do about it." But at least she was a sounding board. Claudette was a sounding board for her. But but a lot of a lot of that stuff is, is the parents. 
They don't think the kid can do anything. Well, you got to give the kid a chance. Let them try it. See, I mean, you know, you can't. I mean, I was, I've been both sides. I've been no vision, the partial vision, the pretty good vision to, to medical treatments and stuff. But I can remember when I couldn't hardly see, well, I couldn't see, I, think I, get, I still rode my bicycle living in the country. So I still rode a bicycle. I, I distinguished the, the difference between the grass on the, on the side of the road and the ditch and the gravel. There was enough contrast there that I could, I could keep going well. I never had riding my bike all over the place, never any trouble. But one year, a guy asked me if I wanted to try working for him in, in baling hay. And I said, yeah, why? And he said, well, he said, I'm going to give you a, a shot. He said, I want you to be what they call a wire digger. Well, a wire digger, you sit on the back end of a baler. You're on one side of a like a, a big metal tube, we'll call it, and there's a guy on the other side. Well, my job was to count the plunges and judge the distance of the bale, and then you take a piece of wire, step on a pedal, and that would stop the plunger from working, and you push, you take your arm, push the wire through to the other guy on the other side, and he would tie off the bale. And then you'd push another wire through, and he'd tie it over a little loop so he'd get ready for the next bale. Well, he, he gave me that job and opportunity to try it, and of course my parents were kind of leery about it, because I was like 12 or 13 years old, and so I did it, and I mean, the thing I was, if you didn't have to pedal right, you lost an arm. Because when you when that plunger went through, it, just, it took everything off. I mean, there was no, you'd have lost your arm. But I did that, and then after that, I, I did other work. I mean, I, mean, I never, I mean, I just always kept going. I mean, I we had a dairy herd, and I milked cows and everything else with the milkers and everything. So I never, never, it's, it's your, you know, it's your parents, too, you know. So what what I'm hearing from you is some people set their own limits or expectations and don't live up to them and try to blame other people. Right, right, right. right. You know, you know, you know there, there, sure, there are some things. I mean, right. you can't, there's some things, well, you, you can't maybe do that job. I mean, you, could, you couldn't be totally blind and wait table because then there are all kinds of openings now for table waiting and back then even that too. And right. Stuff, but, Still, I mean, there, there are things you gotta, but you gotta get your own initiative and go out there and look too and try things. You can't just wait for some school or some counselor to say, "Well, we can do this for you." Well, okay, you might do that, but maybe that's not what I want to do. And you do whatever you try to do what you want to do. Well, that's the way you do it. It looked like you had fifty years of it, so. Well, yeah, because my, in my fifty years, I had all kinds of all. I met all kinds of people where I worked, ever, ever from people I liked and people I didn't like. But I was well thought enough that I had three top orthopedic doctors here in the city in the hospitals that they sent me their patients and they wouldn't send them to their hospital because they said their hospital wasn't good enough. Bill, can so you walk on my bad. back? My back, my back is in bad shape. Well, if I was there, I could work on it. No, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just giving you. I'm just kidding around with you, Bill. No, 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 no. You know, if I was, if I was really there, Jeff, Jeff, I would, I'd try to see what I could do for you because I mean, I'd be like walking on a mountain. <laughs> right. Don't, don't right. even yeah, say yeah, that, I could, Bill. I, I could even, I could even try to strengthen your weak hands, even maybe. You know. Thank you. I don't think <laughs> he wants those strengthened, Bill. No, that's that's my trade, my jack of all trades. Uh, yeah, I don't those. think he wants his hands. Straighten if you know what I mean. Yeah, I can yeah. I can teach you how to shell peas. No peas. No peas. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, Jennifer. Eats, I hear you laughing in the background there. And eat some corn. I will tell you that I can husk corn because I did that when I was when I was on the camping trip. Bill. They always they always asked me to husk the corn because I was able to do it very quickly and I enjoyed doing that. So we have oh, a bunch yeah. of can I 
I don't mean to be rude, Bill. We got a, a bunch of people who've got their yeah, hands okay. raised, Go and, ahead. and, and they're ahead. waiting. So, so okay. thank you, Bill. But uh, you're always right. a fountain of knowledge, there, Bill. Thank you. Okay. He's a fountain of something. All right. All right. Okay. Then, Connie, you're going to hear a message that says, "Ask to unmute," and can you unmute yourself, Connie, out in uh, Kalamazoo? Let's Good morning. Sure. Good morning, Connie. Um. <clears throat> I, I feel like, like we need to take initiative and, and do things ourselves. I mean, it's not, it's not the school's fault if we don't work. Um, and, and um, so we just need to take initiative. And do in it, my I mean. case, I wish that I would have gone to um, MS Michigan School for the Blind, only because I think I would have been better off. But... Um, it didn't happen, so, you know, just take initiative and, and don't blame other people because you don't work or you aren't wor- didn't work. And now no. you're doing things to make things better for you. You're learning skills and things that you didn't think you could do. That's right. And you're doing that on your own. Mm-hmm. And see, that's to be commended. You're traveling some, you're doing things around the house, you're gaining confidence, you're doing things that you weren't doing before. Now, did you grow up, in, were you born and raised in Kalamazoo, Michigan, uh, Connie? I was, yeah. And and you didn't go to a school for the blind. Did, did your parents support you trying to be independent or, or did you, as you were growing up, or were they, did they want to shelter you? Um, My dad was more for my independence. My mom was more for, oh, you can't do anything. You might get hurt. You might make a mess. Yeah, we find uh, a lot of that. Or, you know, unfortunately, and I don't want to read the sore subject here, so just tell me to shut up. Sometimes when we marry through no intention of our own or whatever, not knowing, maybe we get into where a spouse kind of takes over that role and doesn't think you can be independent or do the things that you need to do for yourself. You know, so that is true. I mean, you know, it can happen. Yes, it can. And I don't think it's intentionally set out that way to do. But there are people out here who just want to not intentionally, maybe, but just need to boss somebody or dominate or think that they're doing them a favor by exactly oh oh, it's easier if if i go ahead and cook that dinner for her or i'll do this i'll do that she doesn't need to worry about that well fortunately in my marriage i didn't go through that i mean go through that with cooking because i was i was um my husband husband couldn't cook so (laughs) so you did have to cook Yep. You did have to cook, so you've, you've at least kept that skill going. Where where I find, and maybe I'm wrong, a lot of sighted people that, that or a lot of blind people that marry a blind person, not all, not all, please believe me, not all, but some fall into a trap where the spouse does all the taking around or whatever, and they lose their, some mobility skills and things that they might have or could have cultivated. Right. And I could be wrong on that, so, you know. But it all comes right, and you in your particular case are taking actions to to give yourself more options and to do what you need to do. Yep, and, that's right. And so that's why I commend you. 
Thank you. For doing those types of things. And not to feel, but you can't go back and change life. I mean, you've well, lived what you, you right. You've lived what you've lived, what you've done, what you've done. Now it's time to move on and you've done that. Mm-hmm. So is there anything else you'd like to say? Uh, nothing I can think of. Well, I'm sure if you do, you'll come back and give me a hard time and I don't blame you. No, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna make a hog of myself like I did last week. <laughs> I don't even remember what you did last week. Well, I was in three different tra- three different times. So. Oh, I don't even remember. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> we don't keep score, Connie. We don't keep score, and yeah, that's don't worry why, about it, why Jeff and I can read the same books because we forget. That's right. <laughs> so, Connie, you're always welcome to come back, and I just, as Bill would say, thank you very much because we always enjoy your participation. Okay, yeah. thank you. Have a good day, guys. You too. Bye. Dave, Bye-bye. David Meyer, you're next, and can you unmute yourself, please? Okay, I guess I'm coming through. I'm you are. Yes, you are. You are. Go ahead, Dave. Okay, thanks, guys. I just want to make a comment about uh, one of the things that Bill touched on. He touched on a lot of different stuff. Yeah. But, <clears throat> um, I thought it was uh, it was very interesting how um, sometimes rehab counselors would angle towards or have people try to get people to do things so that they could successfully close the case. Um, early on when... Um, SSI first came to being to be I'm giving my age away here but when SSI first came to be 1974 uh, actually that's David exactly right that's exactly right uh, <laughs> I was in my I was in I was in my room in college and I got a call it was my rehab counselor and I um, was lucky enough to be a reasonably good musician. So I had made myself a promise, at least that last year that I was in college, that I was going to take care of any bills and any spending money that rehab would not, was not obligated to cover. And so, you know, I was pretty fortunate that way. But be that as it may, um, the counselor wanted to know if I knew about SSI. And I said that I had, had gotten a pamphlet and I knew some things about it. He said, well, are you on it? And I said, no. Does, um, you know, is there any reason, is there any reason why you wouldn't be on it? And I said, first of all, I don't think I, first of all, I think I'm doing well enough without it. And I think it's for those who really need it rather than those who uh, simply, um, who simply choose to take it. So as we're talking, he says, well, you know that you can, you know that you can have up to $1,500 in liquid assets. And I said, yes. He said, well, besides, besides your stand, what else is going on? I said, I don't really think I'm even eligible for it. He says, well, you don't have $1,500 in liquid assets. And I said, yes, I do. I've got more than that, which I did. So he's still trying to talk me into it. And this is before I was familiar with uh, some of the things that governed uh, performance for rehab counselors. But after he had his piece, I said, I have one question for you. Do you have a vested economic interest in my receiving SSI? He hung up immediately. And the one that went long after that, that I found out that at least back in those days, a rehab counselor could actually close your case if he successfully got you onto SSI. Ah, so now that didn't happen so much in Indiana, I don't think, because I was doing my rehab work then. But uh, 
you know, that is, they were trying to push for people to get all types of benefits or grants or anything that they could possibly get, or if you were eligible off of a parent's account, or if you had worked enough under your own to qualify for Social Security disability, they would try any angle, and SSI would be their last option. But you could be very well right where if they can do a 26 or close that case, they were very, very pleased. You know, so that that could be very, 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 very true, David. I believe it was. And um, it sort of it sort of uh, rendered a little cynicism into my head. Um, but I, 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 as a former rehab, I will tell you that I wouldn't get too cynical about it in a way because, uh, it, I mean, he shouldn't have done that. All right. We, we both agree on that. But if those benefits were out there and you didn't have those resources and you could have qualified, by all means, take that money. Foreign governments take our money every single day. Um, all the loans and all the other things that Congress finds in ways to spend money. If that money could have helped you get through college, then I probably would have taken it. You know, I was, so. um, I was fortunate. I was fortunate, actually, in that my right. parents were willing to afford whatever rehab wasn't obligated to do. Right. Um, well, and and I truly understand, but some people didn't. They didn't have those cards. They couldn't play that. But it was and there. I understand that. Um, Fact, that's still true today, sir. Right, and it's so it's you know it's not a reflection of them, you, whatever. Um, and we ran into this. I later worked at Social Security office, so I got it from both angles. But no, I did not get a commission if you got on SSI. I can tell you absolutely not. I did not get a commission. So. Uh, you know, but you do what you got to do at the time. And if you felt that way, that was your business. You had that right to feel any way you wanted to. Well, yeah, I guess one of the reasons I was doing what I was doing, because I certainly could have fallen back on my parents' resources and did most of the time. But I wanted to know what I could handle. Um, right. And I, yeah, that year it would have been much easier for me um, not to do what I was doing, being a, I was carrying 18 hours a semester and still trying to support myself by playing on weekends. Um, it was, it, 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 um, and I did bear a bit of a cost for it, but I still don't regret that I did what I No, did. no. In matter of fact, I remember my junior year, I was working 15 or 20 hours a week at the AV center at the college you know, in electronics or whatever. And fortunately, at that time, I was adopted by my grandparents. So I was able to qualify for what is called disabled adult child benefits. And then I had a little extra money to come in and it took the burden off of them to having to pay extra of my rent or whatever expenses that rehab wasn't going to pay. So in that particular case, it worked out and I was still able to work and buy my groceries and be self-supporting. So 
I'm curious. I'm curious, Bill, and this is a little bit off the subject we're on, but um, back in the day when SSI first started, uh-huh. did they have the student exclusion at that point? If they didn't, it was very short thereafter that it came in because I remember they were doing serious recruitments to get people to sign up for SSI because it was a new program that came in January 1st of 74. So they were doing fairs, they were doing all kinds of events, students going to colleges, because this made the difference in a lot of people's lives who had no income. Yeah, maybe rehab was helping them, maybe whatever, or even for the elderly. And as we realized at the time, it wasn't a lot of money. It started out at, I think, at $105 a month. 105 a month. And now I think it's up over a thousand. So, uh, you know, there was this drive to, to go on to, to get this money and they implemented and they strengthened the program. I'm not saying it's a perfect program because it's not, but it's reached a lot of people 65 or older or who were on disability or maybe a blind couple that got married and they could bring themselves up to the level with some additional SSI. Now, there's been many downfalls over the years because SSI led to a lot of overpayments because if people had part-time jobs or wages or got income from their parents or something changed and, you know, something happened or they didn't tell us. But overall, I think it's been pretty good. It's a program I don't think we could do without now. I don't either, and I think it's, you know, for those who weren't as fortunate as, say, you or I, right? Um, it, certainly, it certainly would be something, SSI by itself will never sustain anybody, but um, perhaps with some other additional, um, there's a better chance of, be, of sustaining at least a minimal lifestyle um, with it than without it. Right, and so, uh, you know, until I've walked in somebody's shoes, I'm not going to tell them, what or what not to do. You know what I mean? So Well, when I was talking with the rehab counselor, I was only talking about my own. Right, your own personal self. You weren't saying, well, don't give Tim any SSI. I don't think he needs it. You weren't bringing him in. It was just yourself. And by the way, you made the right decision. If you had over the resource limit, then you did. You weren't going to qualify. So there was no point in applying. You didn't have to apply. No, no, and there was no point to my buying at that point. Right. Anyway, I probably beat the subject a little bit beyond, and I know you've got listeners, Bill, and everybody. Well, I thank you for calling in, Dave, and it's good to hear from you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, David. All right, we got Don and and Don and Sandy, most likely, or at least Don out in North Hollywood. So uh, can you unmute yourself, Don? Okay, I think we're unmuted here. Yes, you are. Yeah, so uh, I'll quickly dispose of, uh, hopefully quickly dispose of the question of the day. In, in my case, uh, and, and my feeling about it is that you, you shouldn't blame the uh, college if you're, you know, you got to get out there after college and, uh, you know, find your own job and stuff. Uh, yeah, you have 
counselors that can help you and so forth. But uh, I think it's, it's up to the student to, to make the decisions and so forth, but uh, get their job for them. In my case, I kind of knew what I wanted to do after college. And fortunately, the, the people that, uh, uh, in my area and in radio, they were uh, willing to give me a try. So, you know, uh, I did fairly well for a few years until I lost the, the sight out of, my, out of one eye. And so, anyway, I eventually realized that I had to leave that particular part of the country because I could only go so far in radio. I, I couldn't go into management or anything like that. And so I realized I had to, to uh, come to California. Unfortunately, I'm glad you did. Uh, yeah, uh, unfortunately, I had a situation that happened to my eyesight, uh, which kind of <laughs> helped that along a little bit. Uh, and unfortunately, although I don't get much Social Security or, or SSI, uh, our SSI is finally starting to come back a little bit. Uh, at one point, we had a governor that decided, well, we could cut the, you know, disabled, uh, you know, that was run, that was run by the state. And so he decided, well, let's, you know, cut their SSI, you know, a few dollars every week or two or whatever it was. And we never really were able to recoup our losses from from SSI until just recently. Uh, so anyway, uh, I, I haven't done really much work out here in California, although I was at the Braille Institute for many years. And uh, a good part of that, I taught uh, ham radio there, uh, even though it was not a paid position, I taught that. Uh, so I kind of kept my hand in, in radio at that point. Uh, so you know, that's pretty much my story as far as my working history is concerned. But you're uh, not blaming other people. Yeah. yeah, Sandy too has a, uh, she's, she's done things. She worked uh, with, what was that uh, machine you had? Oh, I, I taught the Opticon. Oh, no, that I was a challenge. So much fun. I taught it, and I sure enjoyed that. So, you know, Sharing that was my joy with others. one of my favorite devices of all time was the Opticon. I was able to. Oh, I do. I was able to put a camera on mine, and I could go across and read a computer screen. This is before we had oh, yeah. speech. Way, but this was a few years before we had speech, and I was able to take my calls at the call center and fill out the forms, and they didn't know I couldn't see, and I was using that camera to go across the screen and still oh, typing yeah, in my answers. Great. I was lucky enough to be able to do that, but I had a desire that I, I wanted a, to do that. I had a CRT lens. I could read the screen. Like they had a magnification lens I had, and I could read real tiny prints. It was wonderful. Yeah, we have a f mutual friend who, uh, he's total, and so he, he got to reading the Octopon, and I think because of Sandy, and he, he calls her the Buzz Queen of the Valley. Buzz Queen of the Valley. It's a compliment. <laughs> got, I haven't, of course, you know, used the Octopon or anything like that. But. No, but those were a wonderful device. Oh, yeah. They I think Dave wonderful. and Chris have five of them, um, five oh. of them that they've got resurrected and are using, but they could read a screen and you you just knew how that page looked by that opticon because that was a true representation of it and oh, yeah. i love the opticon 
They had five. I had two. They had. They've got five now. One is a teaching aid. Yeah, right. So uh, she would use one, and uh, whoever she was teaching would would use the other one, right, Sand? You? Yeah, we had a what's called a repeater cable. You hook two Opticon together. One Opticon would watch the other one. So I, yeah, that's a wonderful skill okay. you learned. I went all the way out to Palo Alto, California, and got taught Me out too. there. Yeah. Yeah, so did I. Yeah, went out great. there. Now, her, her dad, her dad worked at Lockheed for many, 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 many years. And at one point, uh, they had a person there at Lockheed. Uh, I'm not sure what, uh, you know, function he was doing, but the, she actually got a chance to go to Lockheed to help this guy out to learn how to use the Yeah, computer. with the Opticon. I got to help him with the Opticon on the computer. Well, yeah, I remember my first Opticon test, I flunked it. They said, you're not a good candidate. It. So I had to. They gave me this paper, and I had to go home and study print letters, and learn that, and learn that, and learn that. And yeah, you could blame the school. Maybe they should have taught me print letters. Maybe I didn't pay attention. But I paid attention then, and I went back and took the test, and I qualified. And then I went on with the Opticon. I learned my okay. printed letters from one of those uh, magnetic boards that have the oh, letters that have the magnets on them, like you get for kids oh, that have the plastic letters. Yeah, my mom, my parents got those letters for me. I learned the printed letters with those. So when I I went to a convention and they demonstrated the Opticon, I said, I know the letters. It, it's C-A-T. Yeah, she would know that. What I, what I, yeah, never, I, got, what I never got good at was numbers. I, I was never letters. good at the Opticon at all. I could never figure out how to memorize that. Might that might have been my learning disability, and no one really bothered to really you know coach me on it. I could never do it. I just it just was not my forte. I could never remember the print letters. There's some of them I can remember, but I could remember them all, and that was a problem for me. And I really regret that the school for the blind I went to didn't really and oh, emphasize that. However, however, I mean, I, well, I'm not going to talk about me right now because there are other people, but I can talk about some of my experiences because uh, but, uh, yeah. I, have, I have developed some theories about schools for the blind, and they're not bad. They're not really bad. But, uh, uh, we do have some people waiting, Bill. I don't know if you want to. Yeah, sure. We'll go ahead and uh, thank you, not, Sandy. Uh, no, have fun up there in North Hollywood, and maybe you can climb that mountain with a Hollywood sign. And okay? I really uh, appreciate the story, learning that about Sandy this morning. Yeah, there was one thing I wanted to mention, Bill. Sure. Uh, I, I'm not sorry if I cut you out there. Uh, Sandy's moving to New Digs, um, and uh, today uh, this lady's supposed to come by and talk to her. Uh, the thing is that uh, she's going to have to go to a, a hospital for like three days and then to a nursing home for a month. This is the law now here in California yeah. before she can move into her new place that she wants to, to move into. And I just, yeah, assisted living place. Uh, she was in a hospice. Uh, where, that's where she's at currently. So anyway, I wanted to mention that. Is the new, new place closer to you, Don? Uh, yes, it is, a little bit. Yeah. Uh, her brother lives there, and so that's going to help a bit, too. It's Hopefully cold. we can get her some therapy and, you know, be able to get her to walk again, and, uh, at least a little bit, you know. It's called, it's called Olive, Olive, oh, shoot, Olive Branch or Olive View or Olive, something. Olive Branch, yeah, Olive Branch is the living. So you'll so, be on the move soon. I want to walk again. Yeah. So we wanted to mention that this morning before, you know, we did anything. Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, I know you have a lot of other people, you know, coming up, so I want to get to them, too. Well, thank you so, so much, both of you. 
you very well. All right, thank you, Don. And Charles, you're next. Uh, I just pushed a little button that asks you to unmute. Can you unmute yourself, Charles? Yes, can you hear me? Yes, we can. Go ahead, sir. Okay, well, um, I think the School for the Blind, like at least the Maryland School for the Blind, um, and this is for several various reasons now, um, the, those who really made successes up for themselves and of themselves are on the, you know, there's less of them than there is the ones who just sat home and did nothing. And there are various reasons why this, why this happens, I think. Um, for one thing, the school, I don't think they really had, they didn't really have um, high expectations for people. But then if some people have uh, a retarded or slow or something, there's not much you can do with them. Unfortunately, and some of these people really worked their butt off and really tried. And see, when I went, when I was in the 11th grade, um, they, um, I went down to the workshop for the blind in Baltimore, and, you know, we didn't make anything, and I uh, called them out on it. And I said, well, uh, you know, I don't know how some people could stand it. And, of course, the guy who evaluated said, well, some people like it. No, it wasn't some people liked it. They were brainwashed to accepting it. And say the purpose of a sheltered workshop was never to place somebody on the outside. Um, thank God my ad- advocacy, if I could say the word right, um, we are slowly but surely dismantling Section 14C, C as in Charles, of the Fair Labor Standards Act. Uh, that says you can pay a blind person uh, um, less than the minimum wage because they thought that the I don't know what they were thinking because um, like when I was at Goodwill on piecework um, that's a, you know that's another Goodwill Industries it's another workshop um, in 1975 could you imagine this I only made for one week one time fifteen dollars plus overtime so I didn't just um, sit there and co- cry and complain like most blind people that I know who do. I uh, try to get the ball rolling. I sent my delegate, uh, my, um, my uh, you know, uh, checked up and said, here, look at this. And, of course, it was legal to do that. And what I did was this. There were other blind people in my department. And when I went there in 75, I told him, I said, hey, look, you know, you don't have to work for nothing. You're worth more than this. Um, see, the reason why these companies like Western Electric um, subcontract workout like that, because they can get it done cheaper than if they did it themselves. It's called exploitation. And see, the sad thing is, so here's another thing they don't tell you about work. Um, if you do something as fast as you can and you're the best at it, like I was when I used the I used the air gun, I put these little mushroom rings um, on these backboards, and I used to make over minimum wage when they had the work. But at the end of the day, you know, what are you going to do when when um, the uh, job is done? And of course, you're not going to go anywhere with it because there's no. Um, kind of work for that kind of stuff. Um, the only kind of work a blind person could really do, it seems like you really get, um, for the most part, is, you know, if you could do computers and technology. I think ACB has a right that if you don't know technology, I remember reading this somewhere, you, you more than likely won't get a job. And that's true. 
So, and the school, of course, a lot of the teachers that I had, um, they could never get a job anywhere else. Um, and they just didn't think a blind person could do anything. And, uh, like, I was um, in the 11th grade before I saw my first cane. Uh, none of us knew what that stuff was. And I tell you, when I, when I got my first cane, I thought I was in heaven. So, uh, you know, if you, and the moral of the story is, if you don't have a marketable skill, and marketable is, you know, um, relative, I guess, uh, you know, you're not going to get anything. So, and how many years did you work at the, at the, at the shelter workshop, as they called it back then? Uh, let's see. I was at Blind Industries. I started that in '74 until '75, and I worked at Goodwill from '75 until '82. And that's kind of sad, you know, and it is because I am one person who really did try. I know that that gets kind of old to hear people say that all the time, how hard they tried. But, you know, I could have sat home and said, I, I can't do it. I don't want to do it. In fact, I know one lady, she uh, graduated from the blind school in Illinois and uh, Jacksonville. And, you know, they wanted to put her in a workshop. And she said, no, I'm not doing it. But you know what? She moved to uh, Nevada and California. And what did, she, what did she have to show for it? Just an SSI check. See, if you don't try like she didn't, you really have no right to complain. All right. We, we, some, I don't want to kind of want to cut you off with Charles, but we do have someone who's been waiting a while to talk. But uh, yeah, you got you made some very valid points and, and very uh, good ones, I might add. And I yeah, could never, I, I could, I didn't have that situation growing up. And and there, you you made a lot of valid points, Charles. And I feel the pain. I'm mean, whenever I hear you talk, because you've talked about this before, I do feel the pain that you're feeling at this time. I really I do. I know you do. And thank you, and thank all of you for uh, listening to all that. I know it's it was a lot of negativity, but I can't help it. And I did, um, you know, help. I mean, I'm helping to dismantle this uh, system of paying people sub-minimum wages. We hope to eventually uh, get it done uh, nationally. You know, we got it in some states. We're trying to get it done federally. Boy, that would be good. But anyway, so look, I know I'm stay- way over. I stayed over my time. And thank you very much for uh, listening, everybody. Thank you, Charles. Thank you You're very welcome. much, Charles. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you, Charles. And we got Julie next. Yeah, Julie, you're next. Can, can, there we go. Can, can you can you unmute yourself, please, Julie? All right, I've got her in a position. Yeah, I did the same thing. We both can do that. So let's see if that works. I know sometimes there's a, a little bit of a delay bill on when you do that. So, Julie, try it now. Can you unmute yourself, please? Okay. All well, day. I was, if you're on you a computer. I don't know if she's on a computer. No, she's on the phone, I believe. And that's on the bottom left-hand side of the screen is where I found it originally. So, But I wanted to say that I've always had so many... I, it's a, this is such a difficult subject to talk about because I, I've heard from blind people who say, well, that way they're lazy and they don't want to work. And, you know, I used to think that way a long time ago, and I really did. But then I realized that there are more, that, that there are reasons why blind people haven't been able to work. And part of the problem is they've never been given the job readiness skills or the skills to find work and do work. You know, okay, one of the, um, I got unmuted. Okay, go ahead, Bill. And if it disappeared, did it go on to 
up to the middle, kind of up to the top of the screen. Yeah, All right, go ahead, Julie. Good. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Go ahead. All right. I, I attended a school for the blind, and when we were sophomores in high school, we took some classes in public school and thereafter for the rest of high school, although not so many. Um, we had some things happen. I'm not blaming anybody, but they may have contributed somewhat. Um, for one thing, we and the Commission for the Line were having arguments as to whether or not we were getting good education at the school, I guess, and other things, which I think, you know, I didn't understand any of it, but it was, you know, that was the way it was. Also, they got some kind of a curriculum man in who experimented with a non-grading system. And and I kind of developed some theories from that. Um one girl sat half the year because she got her work done and they didn't want her to move too far beyond her age level. And then those of us who weren't getting it just kind of continued not getting it. And we had some very exceptional teachers at our school, but teachers are human too. And they be, many of them feel rewarded by working with people who are getting it. Uh, and so some of the rest of us just kind of remained somewhat behind. Um, and then we got a new superintendent um, when we were sophomores in, in high school who didn't know anything about our class. Um, actually, the school kind of catered to the class behind us uh, and gave them a lot of typing. And we didn't have quite so much yet. But he had sent sophomores, I guess, to public schools, so he sent us to public school for some classes. And we had a boy in our class who had had some problems, and I don't, I think this maybe caused him to lose his eyesight, but, or some of it. He was a partial, sightedly sighted boy. Um, he had had like a tonsillectomy, and something had gone very wrong, and he had died on the operating table, and they brought it back, and he was in a coma and had to learn to walk and talk all over again. And he came to our school in, I think, upper elementary, and, you know, his reading just, he just couldn't read well. But because he was sighted, they made him take his notes on paper, and they gave those of us without sight his recorder to use to take notes. And um, we got to study together for tests, and I found, realized very quickly that he had nothing with which to study. Um, so we worked together, and one day in biology, he didn't have his assignment done, and the teacher just thought he was lazy. And so we knew differently, and so we all walked out of that class and never went back to that one. And I ended up talking to the president of the Board of Regents and things on his behalf. And um, so we did not take so many classes in public school after that, and I think he did not. And one of my arguments was our school was small enough that the teachers should know every individual student and who has a chance of making it and who doesn't. And he was at our school because he couldn't make it in public school. Granted, he had grown some over the years, but he just was did not have the equipment to be able to make it public school. And he had been in public school before. Um, so there were those kinds of issues. And, um, you know, my dad told me not to cause any more trouble that the parents were going to meet together about, you know, about it. And, um, you know, I mean, they eventually did. But um, I kept doing what I was doing. And I never knew I had anything like that any to do. Um, so whatever happened to him? Well, he... Um, 
he lived, still lives in his hometown of Muscatine, and Mr. K-Cat tried to help him to find what he could do. Um, he played the trumpet, and he played in our variety shows, and, you know, I think Mr. K-Cat sometimes taught the way he did because he knew he wanted, he knew that it was going to be very hard for some of us to find a place in life that we would have feel some usefulness. And um, so he has a band, and um, he played me some samples of the band, and so I think he makes a little bit of money doing that. I think he ran, he and his wife maybe ran a bar for a while. Uh, but this, this band has given him a voice and something he can do. He may not be making a lot at it, but he probably inherited some from his folks and from the settlement that they got because of his box surgery. Um, so I hope he's doing all right. But uh, but I'm just very, I was just very thrilled that, you know, someone helped him to find his place in the world since he wasn't going to be very academic or be able to get those kinds of jobs. And, and someone helped him to find his place and something that he can do pretty much all of his life. I just wish, I think, well, when we were in school, I think I, the blind school, I think, gave me the best education I could get at the time, but I could go the academic route. I don't know. I think there needs to be more for people who can't do the academic yes. so that they have a skill that they can. They're trying, our blind school is trying it now with the greenhouse and the plant nursery and things like that. Oh, cool. Well, I know, you know, one of the guys, he worked with the maintenance department at school, and then he went on, um, and I think went to some kind of, you know, took some courses in a community college or something, and he worked at Methodist Hospital in Des Moines until he retired, and, and um, you know, that gave him a pretty good living. And um, so, but, but there was one man, uh, oh, and all, one of the things that happened with this curriculum business most of us who were blind got way behind in math. We were in high school and still in junior high math. And, um, you know, I was a little concerned I might not be able to go to college. Uh, and But basically where I went to college at the time, uh, you... You know, you had to take some liberal art thing, but basically there weren't much for requirements outside of the requirements of your major. That changed after I graduated. Um, and and so, uh, but, you know, that's kind of what got me through that. My parents were extremely overprotective, but my parents also gave me lots of opportunities at the same time. They, you know, they were very intentional and really tried. I think my sister resents them, particularly my mom. I mean, I know she does and that I could have turned out better maybe and different than I did. Um, but still, you know, God made a way when other people might not make a way. Um, I'm certainly not the most independent person who ever lived, um, but I still served in ministry for, well, for about 30 years, I guess. Um, and um, so, um, you know, so things kind of, you know, things kind of work out. Um, I'm not sure that we got the best education, you know, because when I went, when we went to public school, I mean, there was at least one girl, she was a doctor's daughter, and she kind of asked questions that, you know, I didn't know anything about some of these things that she would be bringing up. But they had been exposed to some of, at least she had been exposed to some of those things. And so, you know, that's just kind of the way it was. Um, and yes, my life could have been better, maybe, and could have been different. But nevertheless, I've had a fairly good life in many ways. Julie, you shouldn't tell yourself so you, you shouldn't really sell yourself short because you, no. you did become a minister. You did work in in in, in the church. So and, and you yeah. did a good. I mean, don't sell yourself short, Julie, because you 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 may think that you didn't accomplish that much, but you accomplished more than you realized. And yes, you did, and you still are. So keep it up. 
Yes, and we got we did hear uh, we found out something new today that kind of concerns me about it. But but we finally got notices at our doors uh, at what post office box we were supposed to set the rent, and um, we're supposed and and the Pioneer Group indeed is taking the rent, which I thought they probably would. And um, Ralph had the idea it had to be in by the first. Well, we did see our notices until late yesterday afternoon, um, so we're sending them today and. You know, Ralph doesn't have his, you know, we don't have our social security checks yet, but I still have enough from my retirement that I think I could pay, you know, both of our rents and, and then he can pay me back if he wants to when he gets his check. And um, so, you know, that's what we're doing. But Ralph read in news recently that the post office box where that rent goes is to a post office box of downtown. And they did barely tell the employees that they needed to be out of there uh, because they're remodeling. So... Uh, don't know what that could mean if we're all sending our check to a place that nobody can get to uh, so that we could be evicted or what's going on with that. Um, but I was a little alarmed to hear that, but uh, we're still, I guess, going to Well, what do they say? Not, keep praying, keep the faith, and we'll yeah, stay and tuned. Yeah, we'll stay so, tuned. Julie, thank you, Julie. Um, we do have some people waiting for, to talk as well. Thank you Certainly. very much, Julie. Thank you. All right, your next, um, I guess it's Pierre. That's it, Pierre. Two, go two, ahead, five. Next. There you go, Jeff. You're finally learning. I'm learning, Bill. You're, you're teaching me well. You're a good teacher, Bill. Let's see if we can get Pierre in here. I just asked him to unmute, Bill. Hit alt, oh, oh, you're on the phone. Star six. I just hit the, asked you to unmute, okay, Pierre. I should be unmuted. Yes, you, you are. are. Go ahead, go ahead, Pierre. Oh, what, um, you know, the thing is when people fail at something, they always have to blame it on somebody else. It's not their fault. Right. You know, and, and uh, you know, I've seen lately that these people who chose 50 years ago not to do anything and get on SSI, I hear it every day. I'd love to have an, uh, you know, a Victor Stream. I'd love to have an I I just can't afford it. Well, you know, they made that choice years ago. And now they're paying for it. Yeah, but that's, not, know, always, that's uh, not always true, Pierre, because there are those people who did make that choice, you say, but they were never they were never given the opportunities a lot of times. And, I and, believe and, what though, you mean they were uh, never given the opportunity. Well, I believe you know, for example, they were. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Bill. I'm sorry. No, they, I'm just going to say I believe they are. Were. At they some were point given, in my life. Some, most of them were given opportunities, and some people, it depends on what's important to them. They they find that money to spend on other things. That's true. Yeah. But it also, it also depends on how you're raised. I had parents who advocated for me every day of the make to make sure I had what I needed from the school system, to make sure I was getting the education. A lot of blind people didn't have that. You know, one day, one of the people who was on the ledge talked about the fact that no blind people just don't want to work. But there's more There's more reasons that they, you can't just lump every blind person into that mold. You can't say that because a lot of times right. they, they may not have been able to get jobs because they, because they were denied jobs or they may have never been taught how to do a job interview or they never been taught how to dress properly for a job interview. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying it's, it's a perfect world, but you know, there and, and you know, I've always felt that there should be a school for the blind, but schools for the blind should also integrate blind people with sighted people because that that's one of the biggest problems I see as well. So, well, I, I would. Uh, go ahead, Bill. I'm just going to respectfully disagree with you a little bit. Those people you say just get SSI couldn't afford a Victor Stream. If you go back and you take a diary and look at what most people have bought over the years and things they've bought, maybe it's not their highest priority, but 
I will guarantee you that most places, if they really wanted one, they would probably get one. What do you say, Pierre? Well, well, you know, yeah, I agree. And I'm a prime example. Okay, I worked in the chemical plants, uh, building chemical plants uh, for seven years. Then all of a sudden I discovered that, hey, I can get something called SSDI and never have to work another day in my life. So for, for 10 years I sat around uh, playing cards, going to the bars, uh, doing absolutely nothing. But in 1980, I decided, wait a minute, you know, you need to do something with your life. It, you just can't sit around and, and do nothing. So I went to AEB. I learned to trade. I met my wife. I made good money. And, you know, but people have to make that decision in their life. And, you know, whatever you make, 50 years ago, you're going to pay for later in life. You know, Pierre, there's one adage I learned getting every job I got. It's not always what you know. It's who you know, and the other part of the other adage is being at the right place at the right time. Well, there's a lot of truth in that. But, Jenny, what were you going to say? Sometimes it's the desire to do it. I know a person who just plain didn't want to learn. They didn't go to school. They have. They were home taught, and if they didn't want to learn that subject, they just broke the pencils so they didn't have to do it. And then they complain later on because they can't do anything. They don't even. Yeah. Well, Pierre, uh, we do have some people waiting, and I. And, okay. But I want to say I, I I really admire that you that you did and you did something with your life and you and you did it and I think that's great, Pierre. Thank you. All right. Next on the list is I want to I want to bring back Marianne, and then we get then we have a seven oh seven seven zero nine area code. I was so go ahead, uh, Marianne. Let go. me make sure she's. I just asked her. To unmute. I was waiting for the. Oh my god, my dog just leaped from one hotel bed to the other. Sorry, um, that was kind of funny. <laughs> Paul uh, uh, Jr. is here, um, and. And, and playing with Uno and having a grand time of it, and Uno thinks it's fun to leap across the two beds. You tell Jr. He should be. She, you tell Jr. He should be working. Work, Jr. You should be working, buddy. He's not working. He's taking vacation days with me. Oh, that's so. That's so romantic. I mean, that's so. That's so love. <laughs> so, I don't sorry. think it better be romantic. Family love. Family love. Yeah. I'm just giving him a hard time. He knows it. Uno, go get him. Go get him. Boom. So, excuse me, as to the topic of the day, um, I've heard lots of interesting commentary on it. And for my two cents, yes, it is true. There are people who have advantages based. Uh, I, I went through public school and I saw the disparity in education just between the different schools that I went to over the years. Um, but in the end, it's not just about which school you go to or not, but it does, it, that does matter. It does matter what school you went to, what connections you've made either in that school or around it, um, who the people are that you know, um, what, frankly, what the work ethic is around you also yeah. matters. Um, there are plenty of schools out there where it's like, especially blind schools where, you know, you get some folks who are a little bit older or you get some blind quote unquote mentors who are a little bit older. And if what you see is a bunch of people doing nothing, you're going to join the people doing nothing. Um, if what you see is people doing something or frankly, if what you learn to desire is doing something. I mean, yes, I had enough in Social Security at one point that I could have said it's enough. 
and I don't really need to go get another job. When COVID happened, I lost my job. I was depressed over it. There was a lot of other things going on because I knew I wasn't going to be hired back. My position was a luxury. So I knew I wasn't going to get hired back. But frankly, the money I had that was Social Security, it's an, it would have been enough for me to have lived on like 20, 30 years ago. I would have been thrilled to have the amount of money I had just from some Social Security. But frankly, I like nice things. And you... Even even in Social Security, yes, you, you prioritize and you figure out how to get things you want. People who say they can't afford their iPhone or they can't afford their Victor Stream, most of them, it's because they frankly didn't prioritize that thing. But there are some people where it really does become a budget constraint and you just say, well, right now I can't afford that thing. Well, what do you do if you can't afford that thing? You figure out how to go to work. You figure out how to get money so that you can afford the nice thing. I like to go on cruises. I like to go on decent vacations. I like to be able to come to Schenectady and fly here and stay in a hotel instead of imposing on my brother's family. To uh, and In many ways, it just wouldn't have been a good vacation if I had to stay at somebody's house. Do you know Mary Ellen? If I stay the, in a hotel Mary, room, I can go on my own. Do you know Mary Ellen? And I, it's hard, to, I, I shouldn't say this, but in a way, the pandemic was the best thing that could happen to you in a sense because you yes. were able to get a job with the state of, with the state of Colorado, working for the state of Colorado. You have a job that, that, that has security. I, I don't if your job has a pension, but I believe it probably does and stuff it like does. that. So, so I mean, you really did okay for yourself, and that 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 should be that should be lauded. I mean, that should be a admired. Absolutely, and and frankly, and the reason that I got the job I got is partially due to the connections I have in that. I attach myself to the NFB, and whether you say NFB, ACE, whatever, it doesn't really matter. What matters is that somebody had a connection, saw a good job posting, and posted it out and said, hey, there might be somebody who can do this job. And I saw that job posting. I wasn't thinking about working for unemployment. I, I was like, hey, maybe I could be a, a, um, a COVID tracer. I was thinking of things like that. And then one of the people that I knew who was a counselor at DVR posted out to Colorado Talk and said, here's this job. People, you know, they need people to help at the customer service center for unemployment. And I was like, you know what? I don't know. Maybe I could do that job. And and I and, and I wasn't scared to try, but you you have to balance out desire. You have to balance out um, certainly ability. It does matter. Certainly your level of education does matter. But my job only absolutely required a high school diploma. It didn't require past that. You could get the rest based on. You could get the rest of it. Uno. Good boy. Sorry. Um, you could get the rest of it based on years of experience and qualification and interviewing and so on. And I'm not saying I got the job because I'm fabulous. Cause that's so very much not true. But uh, but I think you really have to you have to balance things out and realize. And no, it is not. And I think we just lost you, Marianne. Child. There we go. No, I'm still here. Well, um, yeah, yeah, I'm still not... here. <laughs> no, no, it was a little My bit. I think I might have gone away. Yeah, um, little... But I think. I think when it comes right down to it, what it, you know, who you surround yourself with as a child does affect who you are as an adult, but you can choose different people to be around. Oh, yeah. You can choose better opportunities for yourself. And the things that happen to you as a child, unless it was complete trauma, you can go past it. And even, even with your therapy and whatever, you can get past, you can get past trauma. Um, I don't think blaming a school or blaming your parents for an average upbringing is 
is any kind of an excuse. I think everything contributes to the whole, but you're the biggest contributor to your whole. Very true. It couldn't yeah, have been better him, said. Marianne, you tell him, Marianne. And we got to stop for Chris's recipe. Jeff, uh, Chris is no longer with us on the coffee club, but she just still does record a recipe. So she Aww. might, she's going to record some chicken and dumpling casserole. So maybe when you get back home and you want to cook, this is what you can do. Or maybe you can go to some great restaurant and get it. But <laughs> so we'll play this right now, Jeff. All right. From Chris. This is a recipe for chicken and dumpling casserole. One rotisserie chicken diced, or if you wanted to, you could buy a chicken and cook it yourself. One stick of melted butter, one cup of milk, one cup self-rising flour, two cups or 16 ounces of chicken broth, one can cream of chicken soup. You're going to preheat your oven to 375 degrees. Spread your diced chicken in a 9 by 13 baking dish. Cover with melted butter. In medium bowl, whisk together the milk and flour. Pour this slowly on top of the butter and the chicken. Do not stir after you put this in the casserole. In the same bowl, combine broth and soup. Slowly pour this over the flour mixture. Do not stir. Dumplings form as they bake. Bake for 45 minutes and allow to stand at least five minutes. Dumplings will continue to form as the dish stands. And that's it. Oh, that sounds Thank good. Thank you. Sounds good. We have one more person. Okay. Uh, I know we're getting down to the wire, but the, you got a person. I just pushed the button that says ask to unmute us in 709 area code. Okay. Uh, go ahead, uh, 709 area code. There you go. He's unmuted. Go ahead, Good sir. morning, everybody. Go. Uh, good morning, everybody. Uh, or in my case, good afternoon. Uh, my name is Shane. I'm Carpenter John Newfoundland. I uh, just want to say hi, and it's an honor to be talking with you all. Well, I'm glad you're here. But um, um, I bet you have something on your mind, don't you? Uh, this is a great topic that you've discussed. I've listened to you guys for five years now, mostly through uh, OTR. But anyway, I wanted to talk about um, careers, uh, talk about blind girls. Uh, I've done public, I've done, I've done school for blind now back for a year. And you know, this this stuff about blaming people from 50 years ago, it's just frankly lame. It's, yeah. it's just, it doesn't make sense. You, you, you're, you're a prisoner of your past. You know, the thing is, until you're in the ground, you haven't failed. You can start anew today and just clean the slate and see, look at what you want in life and go for it. You know, excuses, excuses, excuses don't pay the bills and they don't get you where you want to be. You know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a successful disc jockey myself. I, I'm a wedding DJ. I worked in clubs. I, I've made a point of going places where they said blind visionary couldn't go. I've done that. And, you know, I'm full-time, you know, uh, wedding DJ. So, and, and I appreciate the uh, quality of the sound bill that you're putting out there. It's very nicely done. Uh, so anyway, what I wanted to say is for everybody out there, you know, who are living in the past, stop it, take your head out of your butt and, you know, look at the future and, you know, start new, you know, don't be a prisoner and keep going. 
You tell them. You tell them. By, by the way, yeah. were these people who were talking about this on Facebook they're looking at filing lawsuits against the school for that bill at all? Did they mention oh, that yeah. as well? Yeah, no. well, no, they didn't want to do that, but the moderator was wanting to moderate their post or maybe take them off the list. They kept doing it every day, and my thing is, take them off the list. If they're no good for the group, I mean, they've expressed their opinions once, twice, three times, four. They keep doing the same thing every day and blaming people that are long deceased who can't defend themselves. You know, I mean, That's right. move I on, go. The only thing I will say is if, 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 if when you get an education, I know we're going into Tim's time. Tim, please forgive me. Is that if you get a bad teacher, and I had a bad teacher for a few years at the school for the blind I went to, and she told my parents I would end up in a sheltered workshop or a group home because I was retarded. My parents didn't want to believe that. And they, they brought me to psychologists to measure my intelligence. And the first thing the psychologist, and they all three of them, because I went to three different ones, they said, you need to get him away from that teacher because that teacher doesn't know what she's doing. Um, I ended up uh, doing very well for myself and making a success of myself. But if it wasn't for the, for the tenacity of my parents who fought right. for me, I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't have done that. Right. You'll please forgive me. I didn't mean to overshadow the uh, the show. And, uh, no, and no, no. That's over. fine, Jeff. Uh, it's fine. And thanks, everybody. We'll have topics each week, I guess. And again, the tip-off to the business of the week who went out of their way is the CVS Drugs on Madison Avenue who went above and beyond to do what they could do. So thank you again. So there are nice people out there. There are positive people that are thinking about today, not 50 years ago. All right. Have a great day, everyone. We'll see you. And I'll be on various times during the week uh, tomorrow night of course and classic countries but anyway we'll Can be I say here a quick thank you to jennifer jennifer thank you very much for helping me out and doing uh, such a superb job thank you jennifer oh you're welcome all right now i gotta get this posted jeff have a great day <laughs> thank you bye-bye